Welcome to Beerfield and our latest rendition of Can WCW Wrestling Themes Be Copyright Claimed? I am your host at Hot BFF with two Ps. As always, joined by 3BF of two Fs. Have a little problem with the leveling here. We'll get this played for a minute. We didn't get copyright claimed from Hulk Hogan. So my plan is let's just go until we get copyright claimed. The chosen one, Jeff Jarrett, for this intro. Dan, how are you? Yeah, I am a fantastic. It's almost Friday. It's almost holiday weekend, and uh, I'm just excited to talk Scott Fishbowl. I'm excited to talk about, you know, disc golf worlds. Like, it, it's it's a good fucking time to be breathing some air. It is a good time to be breathing some air. There's some exciting stuff going on. Dan mentioned disc golf worlds. Dan Snyder has been fine. We'll get to that. We're going to get to some of our Scott Fishbowl mocks. Uh, some interesting things in the later rounds. I know that... Last week, you kind of went into the earlier rounds a little bit, but there's definitely some interesting things in the later rounds I want to get to. Some really high perceived value that I was able to get, so curious to hear Dan's thoughts on that. Um, we got beer to drink and plenty of other shit to talk about. So um, before we get into that, though, Midwest FF Expo, Canton, Ohio, August sometime. August 15th, Sunday. Be there. Sunday, August 15th. Take a trip to the Hall of Fame. Be there. Come see us. Come hang out. Buy your tickets. It's going to be a hell of a time. A lot of big names. Your favorite podcaster's favorite podcaster will likely be there. Yeah. Like, our favorite podcaster's podcaster probably may not be there, but we'll be there. Who is our favorite favorite, podcaster's favorite podcaster? I have have no fucking clue with that. Probably Matthew Barry. It'd be somebody. If it's Brad Evans, Brad Evans will be there. And I think, yeah, if, yeah, he will be. So, yeah, so yes, we're, we're going to go with Brad Evans as our, Brad as Evans our is podcast. our favorite podcaster's favorite podcaster, <laughs> and he will be there. Just to fit this narrative, but, uh, if you are a huge, uh, fan of the, uh, of the Twitter community and all the podcasters from there, writers, everybody else, it's not just podcasters, but it's also writers and personalities, um, this year seems to be far more ramped up than from the first year in terms of a people that we know that are going and just from the overall excitement that I've been seeing. So well, but also you're off the fantasy community hasn't been able to get together since, you know, exactly before the 2019 season started. So, I mean, we're nearly two years in from uh powwowing. It's going to be fucking incredible. Like I'm hoping, I, I, I truly hope we can get some disc golf in with them. With some people. Oh, we can find somebody. If not, we'll have some fun doing that our own. Plenty of disc golf coming up on this episode, too, Um, by the way. So if you're a disc golf fanatic, uh, we are. So we're just going to talk to each other about it and hopefully hang out for the football stuff later on. That's right. Um, So other other stuff, I guess, to cover. Uh, Brew in the Lou, October 9th in St. Louis. So I'm on the committee for that. So I'm just going to hype that here in case anybody from St. Louis is listening. 
That's probably news for you. You didn't know I was on the committee for that. I didn't either no, until didn't. two weeks ago. So <laughs> I'm on the committee for Brew in the Lou. Um, Scott Fishbowl, about to be in full force. So donate to your favorite charity. Plenty of that coming up later on the show. But as always, before we really get into it, we got to go into what are we drinking? So what is fueling beer filled? Oh, one other thing, by the way. If you're a fan of this show, two shows you need to listen to. One of them is called Alcohol and Shenanigans, and if you're a wrestling fan, High Spots and Kickouts. My buddy Brent, who taught me to brew, who is hilarious when he drinks and doesn't talk much when he doesn't drink, yeah, has two podcasts going on, um, Alcohol and Shenanigans with my friend Luke, actually tied me in pretty well, so I've been working with Brent a little bit to try to get some of those off the ground, so please, if you're a fan of just bullshit, kind of what we've been trying to do more here, check out Alcohol and Shenanigans. If you're a fan of wrestling, high spots and kickouts, give both of us a listen. I got one too. My buddy Owen, uh, his uh, podcast, Owen's podcast. I know. Um, I've met Owen. You met Owen. He runs the liquor department at the Benny's you work for. I was actually guest spotting on their podcast on Monday. Him and his buddy John, they do uh, a beer and gaming podcast, but it's it's kind of like us, but a little bit more nerdy. Um, it's called Belchcast Podcast. It's at B-L-E-T-C-H uh, podcast on Twitter. Um, it, was, it was a fantastic time. Those guys are about 10 episodes in, so they're still new. Uh, go give those guys a listen. They are fucking hysterical. Yeah, and then uh, whatever Aris's podcast. Just go look up Aris's podcast, and you'll be good. Uh, well Drinks. Uh, you can find that at all most podcast platforms. I was actually on theirs about a month and a half ago. Um, I don't know how much new stuff he's put out recently. He's been out of town every other week, so getting pretty fucking stoned. Speaking of stoned, by the way, <laughs> we're gonna keep we're gonna keep all the listeners on the edge of their seats about what we're drinking, and that's our show. That's, You'll o- never that's find okay. Out. <laughs> so I was at a bar before I got here, which isn't this was not nearly as bad as other times I've been to a bar before I got here. Um, and I didn't really know what I wanted to drink. Shout out Colton's, by the way, if you haven't had a chance to eat it at Colton's, they're better than Texas Roadhouse. If you're ever in the area, check them out. Um, so I decided to do the whole bartender make me a drink thing. Like, I don't care what it is. Just pour me something, pull one of those tap handles. And she kept asking liquor or beer. And I kept saying, I don't care because I mean, you know me pretty much unless it's gin or straight vodka, I'll drink it. And, or uh, with lime. Or yeah, with lime. Or, well, even with lime, I'll drink it. You've watched me drink lime beer. I don't like it, but I'll drink it. That's fair. Um, And my boss very much said, can I pick his drink? <laughs> so he turned his back to the bar, picked two things out of the well, and then said, top it off with Heineken. Oh, my God. That sounds fucking horrible. And it ended up being gin, triple sec, and Heineken. Oh boy! And it smelled and tasted like mango Kush, like the beer mango Kush from Dogfish. Uh, no, like weed mango. Oh, okay. the mango Kush from Dogfish Head is based on the weed strain. It's four twenty series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So no, like the weed. It smelled and tasted like mango Kush, and it was like drinking a weed drink. And I asked the bartender, "I'm like, so what is this going to cost me?" And she was like, four twenty, but we're going to tax the hell out of it." <laughs> like Illinois weed, and sure as shit, it was a nine dollar and fifty cent drink. Oh boy, four twenty, but they taxed the hell out of it. So yeah. 
Uh, yeah, I had that going for me, and I finished it, by the way, so Trooper there. It actually didn't taste bad. It just tasted like weed. So, I mean, it was hard to just drink it fast. That's fair. What's fueling beer fueled? Dan, what do you got? I, I'm i not sure if I've had this on before. Um. I don't buy beer as much as I used to, but we're going to put it on anyways. This is from Weldworks Brewing out of Colorado. This is Bam Bam Rebel Rebel. This is a soured wheat ale with a fruity rice cereal, which would be just fruity pebbles. Strawberry, milk sugar, vanilla, and marshmallow. This is a sour wheat ale with a bunch of adjuncts. A bunch of adjuncts in it. So I don't know what the hell I'm drinking. Actually, not entirely true. That's what uh, I said. Did you forget beer? <laughs> uh, no, I grabbed a beer, and I just—it's it, part of a, a mix of six that uh, you know, uh, friends of mine from the Bourbon Society, Keith and Bree. Shout out those two. Keith's a big gear, beer guy. Bree's a big bourbon gr- gal. Um, you know, so Keith—they were nice enough to bring me back some uh, some IPAs and stuff from their most recent trip. So this is uh, from Catawaba, Catawaba. Catawaba, Catawaba. Bless you. It's a CLT IPA. Uh, apparently, from the World Beer World, was the world's best IPA in 2017. Um, out of Charlotte, North Carolina. So, oh, nice. Uh, Catawaba has been evolving Carolina's craft <laughs> brewing since 1999. Um, CLT India Pale Ale, modern double dry hopped in your face experience, a tropical fruit and pine character. 7.2%, uh, just like the Queen City. So this is some beer out of Charlotte. Uh, honestly, pretty, pretty, pretty good. So North Carolina beer. Again, CLT from Catawba? I, I can't. Here, Dan, you pronounce it. C-A-T-A-W-B-A. Yeah, I'm just going to go with you. <laughs> Chata Barada. <laughs> Chad Kelly, though. Ch- Ch- Chad Kelly, though. Cad Chaliba. Cad Chaliba. Oh, my God. We're already off the rails. Love it. Uh, let's talk worlds. Let's so, talk fucking worlds. First off, so I just finished up the last round of worlds last night from Disc Golf. By the way, if those of you who don't know, Disc Golf Worlds was last night. If you don't care about Disc Golf, stay tuned. We'll get to football in a minute. Uh, uh, but you should care about disc golf because this is also so this is like the Super Bowl, like the World Series. John like Boy did a Cup. breakdown of the. Like, if you're familiar with baseball and John Boy, he did a breakdown of this. Yeah, it, it, it's it, it's the biggest tournament of the entire disc golf season. Um, so where all the big boys and gals go to play, because they both have men's and, and women's. If you just like sports and big moments, do yourself a favor. Look up Jomez Pro on YouTube and just watch the front nine and the back nine of the final round. You don't need to watch yeah. anything else. Just watch the front nine and the back nine of the final rounds. Cause it's it was it's it's incredible. Oh, sorry, was there gonna be more than that? There's no, no. there's more than that I have to say. I just figured after it's incredible, you would continue to riff no, on it. No, so, no, I was just agreeing with I, you. I mean, you had going into that. I mean, you really had six people that were in play for the world championship because Dickerson was right there. Yep, Big Sexy was right there. Nate Sexton. 
Nick Sexton. You know, I love Big Sexy. He, and it was awesome that he was playing up that high on the card, by the way. I know. It's great. I mean, it's great to see some of the older crowd. I mean, it's been such dominated by young players. You know, your your early to mid twenties are just completely. Well, it's also cool you because if you some of the thirty guys up there, and it's also cool because if you listen on Jomez and you get to hear him day later call his own round. <laughs> That's true. It's like, <laughs> and I had an inception moment by the way while I was out disc golfing on Saturday because I'm like, you know, I'll typically when I throw my shots and maybe I'm just makes me psychotic and that's fine. I'll hear like Paul and Nate calling my shot as I make it, like. Or, or like the, when they do the flyover of the hole. Yeah. I'll have that running through my head. And I'm like, huh. I wonder if Nate Sexton, when he's disc golfing, has the commentary of Nate Sexton running through his head while <laughs> later on his round is actually being called by Nate Sexton. It's like Nick, Nate Sexton is in the head of Nate Sexton while the commentary is happening from Nate Sexton. <laughs> so much sex in there. I was maybe... Under the influence of herbal stuff, <laughs> when that thought Maybe. crossed my mind. <laughs> but anyway, um, you know, you had Chris Dickerson, Nate Sexton, Calvin Heimberg, James Conrad, Paul Macbeth. I'm forgetting somebody. Oh, uh, Kevin Jones. Uh, Kevin yep. Jones. Yeah. Yep. All in contention going to that last round, and really up until about hole sixteen. Five of them were still in contention. So I want to start with Calvin. Did the pressure get to him or is it because he cut his hair? Probably both. I mean, that's probably the biggest moment he's played. He's been one of the best highlights in terms of, of the youth movement between him and Eagle. I mean, there's, there's a lot of great younger players that are playing. Yeah. But between him and Eagle, it, it's been like they're the new Macbeth and like Lazad. And in Big Bath and Waisaki, to watch those two. Heimberg's got a well, lot of worlds in his future, the same thing. And McBeth and Waisaki are not old. They're still in no, Lazar, God, they're no. still under thirty, so Yeah. Which is insane to think about, but it, it's you know, Paul's got five of them. Almost he, was, he almost had six. He's he I won't say he should, but he should have had six. I mean, you can't fault him for how he played the no, final hole. Like no. the final like Hole 18, not the final playoff, but the final hole. That, what happened to Paul McBeth was the helmet catch to Tom Brady, basically. Like, yeah, or the uh, or the Ju- or the Julian Edelman catch. Or, yeah, or the against, Edelman catch, uh, or yeah, it, it was or like the Mario Manningham catch, also against the Patriots. Well, and that's I make the reference because McBeth is like Brady, except more likable. He was going for like, yeah, ring number six. Like, holy shit, but. Calvin, I couldn't help but think it's because he cut his hair. And you could just, there were, to me, watching him play, there was just kind of a different energy going on there. He was short. No one was happy that he cut his hair. Like, no, nobody. Anywhere you find on Twitter, everyone was upset. I mean, I get why he did hair. it. It's 100 degrees, and take it from me from having hair like Calvin. And when I grow mine out, I do. Um, It's hot. Yeah. It is hot. So I, I can't blame him. But just different energy, and when it got into those last six holes, when we were still very much in contention, I mean, he was throwing worse shots than I'd ever seen him throw. He was putting worse than I've ever seen him putt. I mean, he was just... He got the yips. He got the yips. He was just off. Honestly. Yeah. Now, 
Um, couple of bad breaks for for Kevin Jones for him to fall out of contention. He had a bad bounce off the basket, out of bounds. Um, yeah. you know, really two straight out of bounds shots that were more so bad bounces than anything put him out of contention. Um, and then, well, we really wanted to got to talk about those that James Conrad shot. So, if you don't care about disc golf at all, if you just like big sports moments. You like walk off home runs. You like immaculate Grand Sams, buzz, Grand Slams, buzzer beater shots, last second touchdowns, hail marys. That's what James. That's the equivalent of what James Conrad did to force the playoff hole on that, putting one in from 250 feet out, blind to the basket. Yeah, it's on a side ante, which is a left to right shot. Yep. It falls which is and, and like and like to set it up though, his drive. Both him and Paul's drives are just huddling the out of bounds line, and with Connors, it, 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 it you know it was like he had no footing because he was right in front of the pond there, so he had no footing. So he had to lay up, which essentially you know you're taking your medicine. Sealed, you know Paul's decision because yeah. all Paul had to do was lay up to an easy approach shot, but then he taps in for a par and he wins. And Conrad on that second shot, he did have to lay up, right? I yep, mean, it was yep, basically, you know, it's just like golf when you have to take a punch out. You know, when you're in the rough and you have to punch out back to the fairway in order to get yourself a better look, that's exactly what James Conrad had to do. So, Paul, Conrad has to make an impossible shot to even tie Paul. So, Paul is pretty much just playing for par at that point. Yep. Because that's all he has to do to win. He's got a stroke lead. And Conrad's in a bad spot looking like there's no chance he's going to hit birdie. None. Like there was it was like a 5% chance. It was like a 5% chance. We don't have was, AWS yeah. in disc golf yet, but yeah. It was it was the Mario Manningham uh, catch percentage. And then, and then he did, and the eruption from 1,400 people sounded just absolutely incredible. And that wasn't to win. That was to force overtime. And then you get to overtime, and Macbeth just chokes on the drive. I mean... It was a bad guy. He, he just, had a horrible... He just juiced rollout. it straight. It wasn't a bad rollout. I mean, he juiced it. It, it had too much on it, and... I mean it. It's not like it. It's not like the uh, Kevin Jones shots where it took a bad bounce and he and he rolled. I mean it just kind of skipped. But unless he, and they almost never do watching the pros throw it. I mean, unless he's just it died when it landed. It was going out. I mean, he's, yeah, yeah. there was just too much on it. And it, it was you know Conrad takes because he's a backhand player on a forehand like he really yeah. never uses his form. And the um he he goes a harder route than he, than he. He parks it essentially, you know, 15 feet for its tap and birdie. And that was a forehand hole for so, you know, yeah. for those that don't know, didn't watch hole 16, island hole. And almost everyone's playing it forehand, which for a right handed player, which most are, you're going to go out to the left and you're going to hook back right, which gives you a better ceiling. But playing it backhand, you're going right, hooking left on a, on a hyzer line. And that's how Conrad was playing, which is not what anybody played that hole. Yeah, I mean, like you had a you had a tree that was put in play if you put enough distance on it that could have a chance to knock it down. So you just got to stall, basically. Yeah, and, and you know, fun fact: Conrad aced that hole. I think third uh, round. Third round, he did. Yeah, yeah he, he aced that hole. 
But yeah, it 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 was it's 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 considered the greatest shot in disc golf for what Connor did. And what's cool is the uh it's the other players' reaction. It's you know, Paul was humble. I mean, obviously just as shocked as any you know thing. Ricky was, Ricky was running out on the fairway to celebrate with watch, him, just like a you fan. Kel- yeah. You see Kelvin Heinberg's got the drop jaw face to it that's been yeah. being seen. It, it's uh it, Calvin's, it was a cool fucking moment. Calvin's draw job. Macbeth just has a that just happened look on him, but still, you know, finds him and fist bumps him on the way out for for good shot. Ricky is just out there going fucking crazy because he's out of oh, it. Oh yeah, you know, and, you got like so. It's what was funny was the uh, was the uh, field ref guy with the flags. If it goes out or inbounds, they were running with Darty. He was running across the fucking basket. Two of them it were. So, it was so good. They it was were fucking, just running around with the flags in the air, like. <laughs> It was like when your buddy hit that improbable beer pond shot and the whole party erupted. Imagine that three times the scale. Oh God. Yeah. It was uh it was pretty dope. Yeah. And we have become a you know, a disc golf podcast, so of course we're gonna talk uh, well, about it. Well sort of. I mean but yeah, I mean, really, we enjoy it. It's <laughs> That's why we have to call ourselves a variety podcast now, because it's like it's disc <laughs> golf and football and beer and whatever else we want to talk about. So we gotta we do have some questions. I've been, I wanted to finish up. Wow. Disc golf. Okay. Let's do it. So my buddy Julian asked, he's just walking 1990, uh, old friend of mine from way back in the day. He asked if Rogers is going to play. And then Alex followed it up with Watson. We should just get to the Rogers. It's that news. Well, and Carter but Wright, there too, was, who's watching from, uh, Alex's yeah. couch and an opinion on, on half, half acre. acre. So uh, let's go through it all. Doug Flutie, so, Hail Mary. All right, let's go yeah. through it all. All right. So one at a time. We'll uh, we'll start the Rogers talk with what happened, I believe, on Monday. Or no, it was on. It just happened on, I think, this past Wednesday uh, or it was a week ago. So the Players Association and the league itself uh, agreed upon basically to do what they did last year with players and that's the players by tomorrow can decide if they want to opt out of the season with no with no penalty essentially and this is also included with some of the stipulations that were put in place in the middle of the season in 2020 um so basically players can now opt out without any you know penalty or anything like that in case of you know covid and stuff like that so why this is important is is that if Rodgers w- was indeed did not want to play for Green Bay, he could opt out this year and save himself eighteen point three million in unearned signing bonuses and roster bonus money by basically just opting out. So he it's a it's a a significantly smart financial decision if Rodgers were to decide to opt out by tomorrow at three p.m. Central. Um, you may see some players do this, but you have a shocked face. Is there breaking news? Uh, not really. No, it's not breaking. I'm sure we'll get to it. But I was, I pulled up Roto World for a later segment. Oh, okay. I was just kind of okay. reading and saw some. You got the Terry and Terry's part. You got I the got the Tamori and Terry part. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I put that in the notes too. <laughs> so no, I didn't read the notes, obviously. So anyway, no, no. back to Rogers. We'll get to that in a minute. So, but, Teasers. Ro- yeah. 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 Teasers. So the answer to my buddy's question, Julian's question, it's 
I think Rogers still plays. I, I, I like the guy. The guy makes it's worth a shit ton of money. Like, yeah, eighteen point three million is a lot of money, like to us and probably to him too. But I don't think he opts out. I think he does play this year. What are your thoughts on this? No, I think Rodgers plays this year as well. I don't think he opts out. I don't think looking for a free out is the angle at all. I think he wants out of Green Bay or something to change in Green Bay. So I don't think he opts out. I think he does play. And that's how I'm pretty much approaching everything mock draft-wise when we get to SFB, et cetera, et cetera, is that there's a possibility he won't play, but I'm probably 70-30 that he does. Start week one. I'm 70-30 he starts week one. Playing so, this season, I'm probably closer to 80-20. Yeah, Jordan Love has been taking all, and he's, he's obviously been taking all first team reps because. And I Rogers don't know why when you have a up. roster with Blake Bortles on it, but that's besides the point. It's, it 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 is the just a horrible, egregious decision to start Jordan Love over Blake Bortles. I agree. You've heard it here first. You've heard it here first. I may but, even draft Blake Bortles at some point. Twenty second round of my Scott Fishbowl. <laughs> I will stay. I will stay up to date on this. These have to be uh, players have to notify their team that they're going to opt out by 3 p.m. Central, 4 p.m. Eastern time by the second by July 2nd, which is which is uh, tomorrow. So, yep, and we'll have more we'll have more on opt outs next week. But uh, yeah, if there's any, yeah. if there's any, like there might not be a lot. There might be. No. I mean, maybe he does and shocks everybody. But Rogers has been a value. And best balls and some of the earlier redrafts and the Scott Fishbowl mocks I've seen. And he'll probably be a value come Monday when people, you know, are still unsure what he's going to do. Uh, Deshaun Watson. Um, I think he plays. There's been no news on him for what, two, that was, three months? Yeah, like? that one gets interesting because there's nothing new there. And. I'm almost less sure on Watson than I am on Rodgers. I am far more confident on Rodgers. I'm far more confident on Rodgers than I am on Watson, but I do think that that Watson plays because this is stalled out, and the longer it stalls out in the offseason, the more it becomes a concern for next year instead of this year. But you also, I think, lost in the assault scandal is also that he wanted out of Houston to begin with, as well. So, I yep. mean, I I am way less sure on Deshaun Watson, but, I mean, you're also getting a better value on Watson, especially in super, super flex drafts. I mean, it's kind of worth the dart throw because it, it's almost if you take the percentages I gave Rodgers and flip-flop them, that's where I'm at on Deshaun Watson. You know, I, I think that this season's going to be tumultuous, and even if he does play... I don't know that it's going to be good, given the distractions, what's gone on with that team, the fact that he doesn't want to play for Houston. I still think the timing of all of that coming out was a bit weird as far, you know, when we were going at he once traded. I mean, there's a lot going on there with Deshaun that it is just hard for me to pinpoint. And I really am probably 30-70 on whether he plays this, you know, on whether he plays week one. Yeah, I it's we need something. I know like there's been no word on, on settlements, I believe. Well it's and it's been July, so we have another month to get something before we're really at a point where we're 
speculation yeah. is king. So, but like you was like even at this point, we have OTAs have started and like we're in the we're you know training camps I believe have started and and are about to and, and we're not that far off from where you know, you know we're almost in the, you know we're almost into preseason too. So it, it's yeah. But he's a great value. I wouldn't take him in any single QB leagues, but uh, he's going to be a massive value. And when Scott Fishbowl starts on Monday, you know, I'll be very interested to see. Uh, and we'll get into what rounds people take him, and we'll get into the perceived value of Deshaun Watson and Scott Fishbowl here in a moment. Yeah, I think you and I have both. I think both our mocks have massively different ranges yeah, I, of where I he think was they drafted. Do. Yep. Um, uh, half acre. Half acre. Uh, uh, early podcast, Dan, his opinion is it's great. <laughs> yeah. My opinion on half acre is that it, it, it's good beer. Um, the thing with half acre that is tough is that they're primarily known for their IPAs. And the thing with the craft beer industry in general is there's a lot of what have you done to stand out and what have you done to keep yourself standing out? So for as good as like Daisy Cutter and some of those other half acre beers are, um, you know, walking into a liquor store for me, especially one with a good beer selection, it's hard for me to be drawn to half acre because so much of the craft beer scene to me and Dan, you're more plugged into it than I am, is, you know, same old shit versus what do you have out there that's at least new and not even so much the craziest adjuncts because I don't hunt out adjuncts or anything like that. Like, I like good no. classic style beers. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll very much hunt out good German and European beers before I'll hunt out things that are loaded down with adjuncts unless they're sours. I will hunt out sours that are loaded down with adjuncts. But... You know, Half Acre is very, very good. It's just like so many other beer companies that are really, really good. It becomes a, a what have you done new lately? What have you done to stand out? What have you done to differentiate yourself? And that's not an indictment on them. Very much like them. It's just, you know, the what have you done lately to stand out is one of the the better ones in the industry and that's tough and that's something i think a lot of distilleries grapple with so basically if you're looking to try half faker um as carter pointed out bodum i think bodum is a very solid hazy pale ale um daisy carter is a really good um representation of the pale ale style just a very malt forward and mildly bitter um, I absolutely I love their double IPAs. I think they're a little more on the juicier side than the boozy side, but they do get you pretty fucked up. But Hopper's right. It's if you're not, you know, phase three. If you're not, um, you know, hot butcher. If you're not more brewing, which is you know, you know, two of those three or all three of those breweries are dominating Chicago craft scene as of right now. Or if you're not like the juggernauts from out east and treehouse and trillium and other half and equilibrium or and even out the, in ohio with you know with old nation you are going to get overlooked yeah or some of the, what we have running down here in the st louis area with like side yeah. project and side project exactly yeah 
Um, yeah. So, fuck, what's the other? <laughs> We're getting the other one that's that's more known for their their hazies and for their fruited. Um, they don't do distribution. It's all, or, well, they do. It's all it's all out of craft or it's out of the brewery. Yeah, uh, no, everything yeah. comes out of their narrow gauge. No, I'm I, I'm I'm blanking on the other yeah. brewery. Narrow gauge, narrow gauge. Thank yeah. you. Everything um, comes yeah. out of the brewery from narrow gauge, but narrow gauge and side project and some of those down in St. Louis area that people go ape shit for, and I think that you have that in a lot, in a lot of other locales as well. I mean, it's just it's one of those things where they do a very very good beer, and I don't have a bad thing to say. It's just yeah. what's gonna draw me back to your to that brand when there's so much shit floating around. Well, to Cotter's point, you know, he said that he thinks Bodum is a great, you know, it's a good solid beer from, from Affaker. He says it's hard to pinpoint why, why it stands out. And that's the problem with almost every single IPA at this point is, is that unless you're one of the upper top tier echelon beer guys, you know, beer nerds, beer science guys, they're, they're, you're not going to pick out a lot of why an IPA stands out. It's whether or not you like it. And that's what you should go with. Don't, don't look, don't just look for, you know, the beer snobs out there to tell you what to drink. Find what you like and and be open minded to the style well, that just, you want, and just keep trying beers. And out. I just had a long conversation about with uh, um with the guy from one of the brew communities, that one of the other brew clubs, not the firm which I'm a part of, but from STL Brews last night, which is, you know, a lot of beers. It had to do more so to do with judging, but kind of also how we rate beers here is. You know, there's two different ways to look at judging a beer. It's yeah. how well did you execute on what you're trying to do? Chapaker does very, very well. Um, you know, and how well do you fit a style, which they also do very, very well, which in turn makes them a, a good brewery. Um, but when we rate beers here on that, on that curve as well, it's like, in the homebrew community, it's you can do a BJCP competition, which is how well do you fit a style. So not how well do you execute on what you're trying to do, but how well do you fit the style you claim that beer is, like a hazy or a West Coast or whatever. Or, you know, how well did you just execute on what the beer was that you were trying to make? We try to judge here based on how well do you execute on the beer that you were trying to make, not so much on style. We're not BJCP ranked, so it, no. it, it's how well did you execute on what you're trying to trying to trying to do. Yeah, you know, I think Hatfinger hits both. I think they hit the styles that they're trying to do, and I think that they execute well on what they're trying to do. It's just what they're trying to do doesn't, I guess, stack up to the freshness of what some other people are trying to do. That which I, doesn't make them bad. It just, yeah. you know, yeah. No, it, it's 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 true. I think before we jump into the roller world news, let's do the drawing. For the last two spots, have I have okay. a randomizer page pulled up. Hold on, let me do this. Do you have the names? Yes, I do. Let me. It's and um, check your phone. It's it's in our group chat with Nick. Okay, I'm gonna pull up. Oh, I'm gonna pull up Wheel of Names, and we're, we're gonna just put type in. We're gonna okay, put them gonna... in. We're gonna put them in there, and then what I'll do is I'll share the screen through Zoom, which should throw it on the YouTube screen. Okay, just yeah. So I'll. I'll just give you the first names because they're obviously they're all different, so that just makes it easier. Abe, Steve, and Troy. Abe, Steve, Troy, and Carter. 
Okay, I'm not even going to try try to spell Abe's last name. Nope, just put Abe, Abe Steve, Troy Carter. <laughs> Working on it. Sorry, I had something crash. Uh-oh. So these are for the Dynasty League, right? We got orphan teams. Yeah, I think and we relied on last... and we relied on Nick to pimp this. We didn't really pimp it on the show or anything like that. I mean, we yeah, it was all Nick. <laughs> it was all Nick. It was all the person that's I not mean, involved in the show anymore. We I mean, technically, them. Nick is the fran- He is running the. He is. He's the, he commissioner. Is the commissioner of the league. So. I'm just saying, <laughs> where in the absolute hell did we advertise that we had vacancies? Did he tweet it? Like, no. So how did we get here? We have these are friends of people in the league already. We didn't. Okay. He put it in our group. Or he put it in our, our league chat, and they. I think some of these guys. Well, you know, talk to their buddies, and then clearly, I didn't pay attention to that. But clearly, <laughs> this has also been a thing going on for like three months. So it's not. Well, I knew we had vacancies. We finally got around to it. <laughs> for having vacancies, I would have preferred like pedal them through people that listen instead of people that people know. I guess. Well. Carter's here. Carter's here. Thanks, Carter. You know what? Just for Carter being here, do you I, I do you feel like Carter should just get a spot for being here and then we'll draw for the last one? Because he's here listening yeah. right now. I mean, honestly, we've given, you know, these other guys about a week. And could have jumped in. Uh, Carter's, Carter's Carter and Carter's here as a friend of Alex who is here every week. So yes. yeah, I Carter, you just get a spot. Like I, we're gonna give you a spot. I, Regardless making, of how it happens, we're gonna give you a spot. I, I we have how many spots do we have? Just one more. Oh, I thought we had three. We have two total and four people. Now we have one and three. And I can't get the wheel of names to pull up. <laughs> I'll pull up randomizer again now. For whatever reason, shit is. I just can't. Right yeah, we just can't. I can't screen share, but. Uh, it's okay. I, I don't think there's going to be a massive uproar if. So it was Abe, Steve, and Troy. Abe, Steve, and Troy, because we we're giving one to Carter because he's actually here. Okay. Which we appreciate, by the way. We appreciate you being here. That was a good question about half acre. It spurred good conversation. Like, don't take anything I said against that. I was just blindsided by the fact that we were drawing for this tonight, mostly because I don't pay attention to our league chat because. Sleeper likes to update and then not update me on a goddamn thing. So you're good. All right. So final spot, randomize. It's going to Troy. Troy. Right. Troy. We will. T- I will tell Nick. I mean, then tell him. Start the- Carter and Troy. Sorry, Steve and Abe. We appreciate you. If there's any other, we'll spots, keep you in we'll mind if we have have other spots. Sorry, I have a Chrome memory. Google Chrome is terrible for memory leaks. <laughs> and I would love to refresh this page, but I don't think I can do it without, like, totally killing the live stream. So, there's that. All right. News. Let's go to the part outside of the world that we were very excited to talk about. Uh, yeah, let's go through what you have, and then we'll read through the rest of it. Uh, do you want to do news first, or do you want to do news last and talk about SFB value first? Yeah, let's do SFB value. All right. news will take the Correct. longest. Production meetings. Got it. All right. <laughs> Let me see if this page will refresh. 
It did. All right. Awesome. Okay. So where did? All right. Sorry. Go ahead. I want to talk perceived value here a little bit. So, I mean, last go around, I think we left off with my Miles Sanders pick, maybe Cortland Sutton. It was Sanders. I think no, you took Sutton on air. I think. No, 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 no. I took Sanders. You took Sanders on air. On air. I took Sanders and on I air. I was in round three. thirteen. So I was in round twelve. I want to get to some perceived okay. value later on. Uh, not Chase Edmonds, notwithstanding, because I really didn't want to go with Chase Edmonds. I auto drafted there because four hour timer. I worked. I was on the road, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It's a mock draft. Cortland Sutton in the seventh, which wide receivers here undervalued, but I feel like Cortland Sutton's massively undervalued right now anyway just because of the acl injury and then drew lock for the fact that he was middle of a breakout from the year before when he ripped his acl and sorry i was i was blanking there <laughs> i was responding to the group my fault who was uh all right sorry go ahead Rewind. <laughs> <On your laughs> I, I just heard you were disappointed in drafting Chase Edmonds and then something about someone throwing ACL. <laughs> I would be happy to take Chase Edmonds. I, I, I do like Chase Edmonds. I got Chase year. Edmonds in the eighth. <laughs> okay. But- That's good. Uh, Cor- uh, what I was talking about was Cortland Sutton in the Cortland seventh. Cortland Sutton, okay. okay, that's right, that's right. It's it also great value. It's talking about Cortland Sutton in the seventh, <laughs> and how I feel like Cortland Sutton is being massively undervalued because of Drew Locke and the ACL tear. When really, there's zero reason to do that to Cortland Sutton, right? So yes, I mean, I, I. I feel like Sutton's the guy that's been ma- was in the middle of a breakout when the ACL tear happened, and you know it just seventh round value for a guy that's a first round wide receiver. And keep in mind that is my wide receiver. Actually, I think he was my wide receiver too. I think I took Diggs ahead of him. Yeah, you took Diggs early on. I, I took Diggs early, and then you know wide receivers are pushed down here. So I mean. Guys that went ahead of him, uh, just for comparison, were uh, see the three wide receivers closest, four wide receivers closer to him were five. We'll go five. Or uh, sorry, we'll go six. Yep, let's go seven, eight. Here, here's the run of wide receivers that went before Cortland Sutton because I'm not going to keep counting. <laughs> and you tell me where you feel like the value was. This is everybody that was ahead of him. Okay, Amari Cooper. Okay, DJ Moore. Okay. C.D. Lamb. Okay. Mike Evans. Okay. Tyler Lockett. Okay. Julio Jones. Okay. Brandon Ayuk. Yeah. Adam Thielen. Yeah. Kenny Galladay. Same boat. Robert Woods. I do like. Cooper Cup. Okay. Chase Claypool. Okay. Wow. And then right behind him, Deontay Johnson, Odell Beckham, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, DJ Chark. 
Juju. I mean, it's not. I th- you know he's on par to me. He's on par with Galladay, and I would give this slight. I mean, it's tough because so, I mean, son. I mean, him coming off of an injury, potential, you know, quarterback change, but still the same offense. Galladay's with a worse quarterback than both of the ones that Sutton has, and he's changing teams. But again, he should be well. And Galladay was seven one, one, so I took Sutton yeah. nine picks after Kenny Galladay. Yeah, I, I, that, yeah. Mike Evans' low target share in that crowded wide receiver room when all three are healthy. And Evans is massively touchdown dependent. I like was 13, 14 picks after Mike Evans. So Chase Claypool is even more shocking. Like you're relying on Noodle Arm Ben to yeah. push the ball downfield and what's going to likely be. The number three in targets receiver, so he's boom bust. Yeah, one buying Claypool. Um, for Edmonds at the eight oh three, another guy that just look. I mean, who else, right? I mean, that's value still. Like, I I'm sorry, but I'm not a I'm not afraid of James Conner. He's not taking the targets away. Whatever targets come, uh, the back, no, and he may field. not even take away the backfield stuff away. And you got to rely on him to be healthy. And so the running backs that went immediately ahead of him, we'll go with the first three, were Mike Davis at the 704, Miles Gaskin, Travis Etienne. Yeah, I'd take all three. And see, it's tough because I have all of them in the same tier. Yeah. Like, if I was tearing off, I I, like those are the running backs that I'm targeting to be my RB3 and 4 because they all, you know, Davis, I've made made mention on the show, his potential, you know, 90-plus target upside is given – and what Atlanta did last year and what's not behind him. And this is my RB3. This is behind Edwards, Alaire, and Sanders. Yeah. So RB3, really like combination of four running backs and relying on two of them to hit with. Yeah. And, um, and like, we love Gaskins here. I do love it's, Gaskin. But every one of these backs should command the target share amongst mm-hmm. all the running backs in their, you know, in their respective backfields, which is why you target these guys because targets are are valued immensely more than, than just Well, handoffs. and Edmonds is definitely going to be the pass-catching back. James yep. Conner, if Arizona's smart, shouldn't see a full workload, given what he did. He was inefficient. and He's, he's going to be like Jordan Hurt. Howard. He's going to be like Jordan Howard. So yeah. Edmonds definitely has a role as an RB2 flex-type guy. And in the eighth round, you're more than happy with that. The guys he went immediately ahead of, Kareem Hunt in Cleveland, um, Javonta Williams in Denver and Melvin Gordon in Denver, who went back yeah. to back. So, I would take Chase. Yeah, those are all guys in their well, own. Well, Chase tiers. has more insulated value than the two Denver backs, and you know Hunt has value in Cleveland for sure. But you'd consider him same tier. So and he's got he's got decent floor, maybe, but he's got cap ceiling with Nick Chubb. Now, if Nick Chubb gets hurt, but it's a different story. Like you can't just right. assume Nick Chubb's gonna. The same thing. James Conner gets hurt so. though too. So and yeah. Edmonds has a hell of an offense. So. Uh, Evan Ingram at the nine ten in a tight end premium league. Good value. Behind Johnny Smith and Logan Thomas. Uh, Where'd you take your first kicker? Like around fifteen. So did I. Which is really weird for me. Um, and who'd you take? Suck up. Okay, I took base or bass. Excuse me. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Drew Lock in the tenth is my QB three. Or my QB four, sorry. 
No, you, Locke was my you know QB3. You know I feel about you, Locke. <laughs> no, Locke was my QB3. You went behind, I took him behind Wilson and... um, I took him behind yeah, Wilson Dak. and Dak, yeah. So he was my QB3 in, in the 10th round. Which are you, super flex league with quarterback scoring, like you're okay with getting your third quarterback in round 10. And I don't have to rely on Locke to start, and if he has a good year, great. Will Fuller in the 11th. See, I like that. Miami's receiving, like, it's going to be, it's going to be kind of a clusterfuck in the beginning when all three are healthy. But Fuller, I think Fuller is going to take advantage of the most. Like, the we're going to see a massive improvement from Tua. And if he's healthy, you just have so much boom and potential boom out of Will Fuller that getting him in the 11th round, I mean, I know a lot of people don't know what to make about Miami, but getting Will Fuller in the 11th round to sit behind Cortland Sutton and Stefan Diggs, I mean, he's my wide receiver three, and then you supplement him a bit later on, like, I love the value of Will Fuller in the 11th. What did I? With the boom and the upside that he has, so. Injury? Uh, Tariq Cohen in the 12th is my RB4. He's got pass catching upside. Third down back, pass catching upside, half PPR league with bonus points for first down. We'll see what he is. Deshaun Watson in the 13th, my fourth quarterback. That, that's just that's just sex. And it is. because okay, of so you got him in the 14th, you said? 13th. 13th. 13th I'm to see where. So, so Drew Locke in my league went in, in the 16th round. Yeah. Which um, shouldn't happen in Superflex because you should be gobbling up starters right and left. You are the only Drew Lock truther on the earth, though. So I, I feel like you can probably wait. I on might be, him. and I probably should wait on him <laughs> past the ten. That's what I'm learning. But Drew Lock well, is gonna, Drew Lock is going to start for that team because he gives them a better chance than game manager Teddy. So Deshaun Watson went in the fifth round. In mine, it's very he went ten. That's. That's nine fucking round difference. That's and, insane. And Deshaun Watson's going to be hard to pinpoint because you're going to have people that are taking a moral high ground, which in fantasy, like, here's the thing. It's fantasy. I don't know what moral high ground you're trying to prove by not taking something. Like, I agree. Like, you have to take the legal shit into account, which definitely pushes him down for me. But the yeah. 13th round... I can't even take moral high ground when Deshaun Watson's available in the 13th round because if he plays, he's over Wilson and Locke and easily my second quarterback. I think what's crazy about this, I'm I'm looking at this guy's team. Watson was his first his first quarterback taken. Oh, wow. Like he 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 would be quote unquote his QB1. Um now it was QB2. He didn't take a second quarterback. Until oh my God Jesus Christ, uh, Daniel Jones in in the ninth round. Okay, so that's and then he took Jared Goff in the tenth. So yeah, Jones and Goff. So is... I'm not even going to call that ballsy. I'm going to call that dumb in this format. Yeah, I mean Watson as a QB three or better. Yeah, you know, three or four, great. You're insulating. The risk without having. I'm not going to take Watson as one of the top two. I after a lie on. If I can get Watson as my fourth quarterback, 
with three other guys that I project to start, I'm going to do that all day. Yeah. Especially at that value when there's nobody else really there. I mean, here's the players that went immediately in front of him. Oh, you have five on either side. Sure. Naeem Hines, Adam Troutman, Jalen Rager, Cole Beasley, J.D. McKissick. Okay. Two went ahead of him. Okay. Wow. Behind him, Marquise Brown, T.Y. Hilton, Devin Singletary, and then my next pick who we'll get to. I almost like the players that went behind him (laughs) more than the players that went before him. No shit. Where do you think is a good spot? So we've talked about it. I have Deshaun Watson round five in my mock. You have him in round uh, 14. 13. Uh, 13. 13. Both are back end. Uh, both are extremely, I think, high end. Where do you think he actually goes? Like, eight. he's going to be the one player I watch because he's, like, to me, to me, him and Rodgers are going to be the best value quarterbacks. Uh, in terms I, of- I think it's the aggregate of the, of the difference. And I think that Rodgers probably goes around five or six for a guy that should be around two. Yeah, I took um, him at the end of round three. Uh, and I'm okay with taking Rodgers into round three, too. I mean, Rodgers, I don't want to dock more than a round or two. Because like we talked about earlier, I have more confidence that Rodgers plays. Um, sure. Watson round... Rod- I say Watson like feels like round 10. seven or eight. It feels like yeah. that you and I yeah. are on either end of the extreme, and it should be like right down the middle as to where he actually goes when we start drafting this shit on Monday, is that it should be like round eight for Deshaun Watson. Yeah, I'm thinking what I may end up doing is, you know, a couple quarterbacks early on potentially. I got to be careful because we have listeners of the show and our boy Skip from the Debbie Happy Hour in in my division. So I got to be pretty careful. I've been pretty loose with, with, with... not with strategy, but just with what I've seen. Watson's, uh, Watson's going to be interesting, I think. Like, I I don't want him as my QB one or two. I cannot rely on him. No, because you can't trust him to play, but as a yeah. QB three or beyond, then I absolutely want that because the upside is being your QB one or two, which is why I'm okay with taking a aggregate of Zach Wilson and Drew Locke, hoping one of them hit, and Deshaun Watson. Because now I have three guys. And I'm either relying on Drew Locke to take a step, which I'm the only person in the world that believes it can happen. Yep. <laughs> Zach Wilson to have to throw 600 times, which is more realistic. It could. Um, or Deshaun Watson to actually play the season. I think Watson... I think One it, of those it, three things is going to be true. I don't think Watson misses the entire season, too. No. I think he'll miss a chunk of games, potentially. I don't even know they'll do that right now. Yeah, like I don't even think he'll miss he'll miss time or he'll miss right. a full season. So moving on. You and Can I both to- you and I both got a wide receiver at value, but I can't remember what round you got him in versus where I got him in. You talking about Nelson Aguilar? Talking about Nelson Aguilar. So I took Aguilar on the show last week at round thirteen. I got him in fourteen. Yeah. Which is again, we we understand what the what the what the New England offense is and we understand there's not a lot of scoring output, at least what it looks like now. But to get a, a team's wide receiver one who's a, who, who who just came off Perceived, of a 100-target yeah. season to go into this late, and as most people's wide receivers, you know, and four through six, if not potentially higher, that's value. 
like I don't love Nelson Aguilar, but I love getting a team's wide receiver one, at least on paper now, who could see 100 targets this year. That, that to me, is insane value. And then I forgot to pick, and then immediately after him, I unfortunately was out of pick Cole Beasley. <laughs> and for the history of all mock drafts, he's the first player I've, I've ever dropped in a mock draft. Yeah, I mean, we both auto, we both auto-drafted somebody. But I agree. Aguilar, look, Aguilar and Jacoby Myers, if you're looking for late-round dart throws on the Patriots, those are the two you go for. Because Myers was the most consistent last year. Aguilar figures to potentially be the one. It's going to be one of those two. Yeah. So I got Brian Edwards in the 18th round, too. We're talking about another you? team's potential wide receiver one. Uh, I got Rashad Penny in the 15th. Talking about running back value for a second. Yeah, I do like, I mean, I've always. 15 10. I figured we'd go through one and then go through the other draft wise. Brian Edwards in the, you know, with Aguilar not there, Edwards is who you're relying on to be the one there. And, 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 so it might be John Brown, but we know that, that, that Las Vegas offense is going to have to throw the ball a shit ton. We've heard some positive buzz out of Edwards in camp, which doesn't mean much, but I'm also a massive Brian Edwards fan. And if there's someone on the team that's going to look like an alpha that's not Darren Waller, it's going to be Brian Edwards. Right. Value. Agreed. Uh, Rashad Penny in the fifth, it's a 15 10. Here's the thing Seattle runs the football a lot. A lot, a lot. And that has not changed and it's not going to change as long as Pete Carroll is there. When Rashad Penny's been healthy, he's been hyper efficient and always threatened Chris Carson, which is why people loved him. Rashad Penny's a guy I've consistently hated on, but there's a point where the we don't hate players, we hate ADP comes into play. Rashad Penny in the 15th is a guy that has consistent flex value when he's healthy, even though it may not take over for Chris Carson. Chris Carson has not exactly been a model of health. Rashad Penny in the 15th is a freaking value. And he didn't even get drafted at mine. Didn't even get drafted. And I don't know how that happens. I I really don't understand how it, other than just what have you done for me lately, right? I don't understand how Rashad Penny doesn't get drafted. <laughs> JD says for those sweet, sweet three weeks when he's healthy. <laughs> well, and again, Which is fine because he's, he's, he's a fifteenth round pick and my fourth running back, right? I mean, that's okay if if that's what you're baking, banking on. I'm not saying go take him in the sixth, but for a fifteenth round pick, I mean, look, for those three weeks he's healthy. Would you rather have Rashad Penny for the three weeks he's healthy, or let's? Well, okay, there's some handcuffs ahead of him. <laughs> <laughs> but ahead of him, right? So, I mean, I didn't exactly have the option to take these guys because they're already gone. I mean, you've got the premium handcuffed here going before him of Latavius Murray. Um, so Latavius Murray, Tony Pollard, Alexander Madison, Tevin, and then those are your premium tier, and then Tevin Coleman, who's not premium tier anything. Fuck, man, that Jets backfield, there, there is no... They're all handcuffs to each right. other because we don't know who the starter is. That's why you don't take you take the best value. Fucking Ty Johnson could be the best back in that backfield. And here's the guys that went immediately behind him: Jacoby Myers, John Brown, 
Austin Hooper, Traquan Smith, and we'll skip over my most recent pick. The running backs that went immediately behind him, which, I mean, he's in that premium tier. Philip Lindsay, Kenneth Gainwell, James White. Yeah, I don't like it's. You can't. All, I mean, it's you all can't gross. argue with Penny in that tier. No, I mean it's it's you know take your guy at that point, like right. I mean, going up over around ahead, Devin Singletary, like maybe J.D. McKissick. I don't know how that happened. Right. I mean, it, it, at that point, I'm going Rashad Penny, and it might be the sweet sweet three weeks is healthy, but you know three games, nine games, whatever, he's been relatively good in that, and he's gotten work. I think the bigger thing for me is he's gotten work, so. Yeah. No, there's there's nothing wrong. Like, it, it's... Those guys are going to slip, too. I mean, most people are going to... You know, they're going to opt to take their running backs early, and then they'll, they'll go and take, mm-hmm. you know, quote-unquote, their guy. You Take know. a dart throw on a guy that has week to week flex value if he's healthy that could potentially have higher upside. I mean, look, don't hate players hate ADP. Yeah. Rashad Penny in the fifteenth, I'm okay with. Uh, more, what I'm more okay with is Rashad Bateman in the sixteenth. You got him in the sixteenth, sixteen oh three. So you took Bateman where Locke went, and I took. Bateman where you took Locke and I took I took Bateman in, in this no wait what did I take I took Bateman in the 11th round I took Locke Great in the value. 10th so yeah. I mean yeah but Bateman in the either 16th. way it's a five round difference yeah look Bateman in the 15th in the 16th value, value. he went right behind Traquan Smith John Brown and Jacoby Myers all players who will likely not be their team's wide receiver one. So does the community believe in Lamar Jackson's ability to pass or not believe in Lamar Jackson's ability to pass? Because if you believe in Lamar Jackson's ability to pass, the reason you do is because Rashad Bateman is the difference maker there. And you're taking Rashad Bateman in the 16th round. I mean, ahead of Tyrell Williams in Detroit... Who, 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 who right now is has been the out of the number league. one receiver? Yeah, but is the number one receiver? Well, no, Quez, no, no, he, he is. Amon Ross, Brown, Quintez Cephas. I mean, who do you believe? I don't. I don't want anybody. But I'll take. I'll take any sort of minimal camp pipe. He's the only player that's gotten it. It's been Tyrell Williams. Well, and he was solid with the Bears, but I mean. Minimal camp fight or not, it's Tyrell Williams. You take the dart throw there. I'd rather take the dart throw on the rookie. And the, the former MVP. You know, I'm not saying has that I would take him it. over yeah. Bateman. I would take Bateman over. Yeah, that's what I did. I took him yeah. over Williams and Tyrell Williams, Sterling Shepard, Amon Ross St. Brown, Diami Brown. Rookie territory, basically. I took Amon Ross, too. I took him in the. 17th round. And right behind John Brown, Jacoby Myers, Drake One Smith. Fantasy community, you believe one or two things. You believe Lamar Jackson's going to be a league average passer because they drafted Rashad Bateman, in which case you should be taking Rashad Bateman before the 16th round. Or 
you believe Lamar Jackson can't throw a football to save his goddamn life, but Rashad Bateman's going to be his number one, who's super talented, in which case you should be taking Rashad Bateman before the 16th round. <laughs> I mean, he's a safety blanket. I mean, like, we, we know that the Jackson can at times look like an above average to good to great passer. He's mm-hmm. obviously he's not consistent enough with it. Teams finally said, you know what? We're going to get you a bunch of intermediate guys with Bateman. They bring in Sammy Watkins and they also drafted Tylen Wallace. Like, and then Marquise Brown can go back to his, you know, what it should have been a spot. And, and Mandrews can continue to see mismatches and hopefully we'll learn how to catch football. We won't give Ryan suck up analysis. Chris Herndon in the 18th. There's, there's, <laughs> there's rumors which we'll talk about or news, I guess, or, or a training gap news that Tyler Croft may supplant Chris Herndon. And if so, fine. He's my fourth tight end. No, no, I'm just saying. And I thought it was funny. Yeah. yeah. I still believe in the talent, and that's what you're doing. AJ Green in the 19th. He also won the 19th. I took, uh, I took Christian Kurt in, in the last round. Why are people so down on this Arizona passing game? I I don't uh, like. If I get here's it, the thing, it's, it's 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 odd to me. You believe everybody in the fantasy community believes that Kyler Murray is a top seven quarterback. Shit, top five if you're most top three. In some people's minds. You ain't believing that just because DeAndre Hopkins. So who else? It's not just because he's a runner, because you know that, like you, like it's it's he's not Lamar Jackson. He's a more natural. He's, he's a he's closer to Deshaun Watson in the way he runs. Yeah. So the running floor is good and all, but you got to believe in somebody else that isn't just DeAndre Hopkins there. AJ Green, former Cincinnati Bengal stud, had some injury problems. His quarterback got hurt last year. Didn't really do it. 19th round. It's more of a dart throw on. Does he have something left in the tank? Again, 19th round pick out of 22. Not a lot going into that. Same thing with Christian Kirk. But you're looking for upside late, which is kind of what this is about, is who's a value late. AJ Green, a guy who was a top wide receiver in the league, for that long, going to a new team that's going to be competitive and an offense that figures to be good is definitely a worthwhile 19th round pick. Yeah. No, I, between him and Christian Kirk that are going at the end of both of these drafts, I agree. Yep. And Kirk went 1908. So, I mean, they're both 19th round. Green yep. 1910, Kirk 1908. And guess what? That's the second and the third pass catcher going from Arizona. For a quarterback, you believe it's going to be top five. Exactly. Just All right. It. Should we get to the news? Or do you, uh, do you I had a lot of Michael Pierre in round 20, which I don't really want to talk about because it's the Jets. Any value you want to talk about out of yours other than... No, I, I've been kind of following the rounds that you talked about. I there isn't, I mean, there's 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 going to be value. There's going to be value. Late. For wide receivers. And, and um, that's the big takeaway for any draft is that there's going to be value late. So... Um, we'll work off what you have here for news first, and then we'll go into other shit. I'm almost at a beer, by the way, so I want to go ahead and do this. Let's, um, let's talk about our beer real quick, then, because I'm about finished myself. Beer review. 
All right. I had uh, the Kitaba is what I'm going with. <laughs> CLT IPA um, out of North Carolina, Charlotte, Queen City. And I'll see, I will say, I get why it was voted the World Beer Awards World's Best IPA in 2017. It's a very good IPA. It, it, it's exactly as they advertised it. It's tropical. There's a good piney backbone to it. Good amount of bitterness. This is quintessential. If I was going to so show somebody what a good classic type of IPA should be, that hits on all notes as far as bitter, tropical, piney, and citrusy balance. This is what I would go with. Now, it does suffer a little bit from half acre syndrome, as we'll call it, which is you're very, very good for what you are. Do you stand out over other IPAs I've had? Probably not. But like when I think back on this a month from now, am I going to be like oh, CTB is the best IPA I've ever had? Nah, will it be on the list of best IPAs I've ever had? Yeah, absolutely. But I can't say it's head and shoulders above anything, you know, above those other top echelon IPAs. It's a really good beer. Um, you know, it, it drinking the last sip. You know, it starts out with a little bit of bitterness that hits the front of your tongue. It rolls into a nice tropical note. The finish is more piney. Again, good balance all the way through. Seven and a half percent, not over, not super boozy or anything like that. So, you know, overall, really good beer. Uh, thank you, Keith and Bree, for hooking me up with that. It is much appreciated. Um, again, very, very good IPA. If you're an IPA aficionado, you'll love it. Like they, they did great with that beer. It's just the same syndrome that a lot of good IPAs suffer from. So, and since that's kind of been the diatribe of the show, you know, it fits. You know, you know. So I, I did uh, Bam Bam Rebel Rebel from Weldworks Brewing out of uh, Colorado. Again, this is a heavily adjunct fruited sour wheat ale with fruity rice cereal, strawberries, milk sugar, vanilla, and marshmallow. This has probably got like 8,000 calories in this can. I mean, it it is what it, you know, says it, you know, it did go out there. It, it did it did do what it said it was going to go out there and do. It's heavily sweet. Um, the tartness isn't as much as I, I, I thought it was. I, I, I had it when I first bought it a little bit ago, and I thought it was overly tart and overly sweet. The tartness is, is has since you know, kind of timbered down. Sweetness is definitely still there, and it'll always be sweet until a lot of the stuff falls off as it gets older. It only clocks in at four point nine percent, as most of these beers do. They're not meant to get you fucked up. They're it's it's a pastry sour, so it's sweet, tart, <clears throat> and that's effectively what it's supposed to be. Um, it's good for what it says it is. I it's it's nothing again. I think the fruited sour, I think the heavily fruited and adjunct sour in in Blinner has has come and gone. It's prime. And we're reading and we're hitting it into the saturated market where everyone's doing it and nothing is special anymore. So 
Yeah, I mean, there's very good <laughs> sours right now, but that's the way every trend goes, right? I mean, the summer's trend has very, very much been yep. heavily fruited sours with lactose or marshmallow and a sweet backbone and a lot of fruit to get your refreshing note. And then, you know, we're headed full on into one of my favorite seasons, which is Oktoberfest season in the next two yeah, months. A month away. And so we'll, Mars we'll start and this season ale season. The month. And then we're going to yeah. be back into stout season and we'll see what fresh hell awaits us there. So. <laughs> yeah let's get into the uh, final part uh, all right and chris read roto world this is where we read roto world and find our favorite headlines uh jack's 49ers cowboys fined for ota violations urban meyer charged the most fucking there is ever a doubt that he was gone. are you shocked that urban meyer has already gotten in trouble because i'm uh, not no not at all <laughs> rocky start um not not a great look when you get fined for OTAs coming out of and like find the most like they're like ah we're gonna get you twice more than the Cowboys or the Niners like double not good what speaking of not good Washington football team 10 million following a legal investigation into the franchise's workplace culture um after 15 former employees like sexual misconduct in the worst place uh, Dan Snyder's wife, Tanya, is going to assume leadership of day-to-day operations. Dan's going to focus on the stadium and other matters, uh, which sounds like he's really not relinquishing anything. Yeah. Um, basically a slap on the wrist for a billionaire. Ten specific billionaire recommendations yeah. to the nameless football team. Uh, consequences, if not, I mean... Look, it's a slap on the wrist for Dan Snyder. I don't believe that his wife has relieved him from anything. Other matters is going to mean he's still going to do what he's going to do. This basically amounts to nothing. I mean, $10 million steep, and it's unprecedented when we look at it. $10 million for a billionaire <laughs> is nothing. It's nothing. That's, no. that's, that's like pennies to them, which is just... Insane when you think about it. Yeah. Like $10 million would change 90% of Americans' lives. <laughs> the world's lives. And this man is like, yeah, I sneeze. Meh, whatever. Meh. Meh. Like, and he's a shit human being. Yep. I think I think you kind of have to be, though. Like, unless you luck into it or you win the lot, which is the same thing. Like, I feel like you, like you have to be... <laughs> I'm glad you came to that conclusion yeah. as you were saying it. Unless, I know. Unless yeah. you luck into it or win the lottery, because somehow yeah, that's not the same luck. Thing. <laughs> same, same you deal. have to be a bit of a piece of shit to kind of get to where these guys are at. So Yeah. Uh, in jaw-dropping news, Tamorian Terry, who we thought slipped heavily in the draft and had really highlighted as somebody that uh, could have very, very much been a sleeper, uh, indicted for felony murder of a 21-year-old woman, 2018 gang-related mass shooting in Georgia. Him and 10 others were indicted on that. So uh, who knows what what comes out of that. But 21-year-old Zaquavia Smith, among seven people shot at Studio 2.0 Nightclub in Ashburn, Georgia, in June of 2018. Terry, signed by the Seahawks, released on Wednesday. I love how they say he was quietly released, like, is anything quiet like anymore? <laughs> like uh, you know, social media, just well, it, like he sneezes. We know, yeah. 
Um, I mean, that's it's that's it's, it's golden handcuffs, but not in the way of wow, that was stupid, ha ha ha, like carrying an Uzi in your SUV when nobody gets it hurt or anything like that. I true, mean, true. It, I mean, this is more more serious than that for Tamari and Terry. I mean, you don't want to see that for a young wide receiver who honestly has a lot of talent, but you know, for the person that was on the other end of that or for the shit that he was involved with, I mean, it's just a it's a sad situation, not in the sense where you feel sorry for Tamari and Terry, but just the situation in general. Yeah, it's yeah, not good. Steelers send a kicker. Boom. Don't care about what is a Vintel Bryant? Is <laughs> one career catch for 15 yards, but God damn it. We're going to highlight him. Yeah. He substance abuse policy, which sounds like he needed to, you know, steroid up a little more. Yes. Uh, let's see. The run game in Indy will go through Jonathan Taylor, who's earned the right to be the main guy in the Colts' backfield. That's there's our first obvious headline of the. <laughs> Chalk that up to the board of uh of obvious Please, obvious headlines. cliches. Well, you got to run it through Marlon obvious Mack cliche. coming off the Achilles injury. Nothing against Marlon Mack. We love Marlon Mack, but. You ain't running it through him, and a damn sure ain't running. You ain't running the running game through Naeem Hines. Maybe the receiving game. Yeah, this is about as obvious as obvious as the next one we're about to talk about. What the Zach Wilson, Zach Wilson looks Wilson comfortable in the new Jets. He, well, he should if he's learning it. But I mean, that honestly isn't as much of a throwaway as I think, though, because you'd be concerned if reports came out that he's struggling. The fact that he looks comfortable, I mean. You're not going to hype it up, but it's what you want to see at this stage, at least. So, I guess no news is, I mean, I'd, I would be, you know, just like you, I'd be more concerned if the, if the news was, was uh, the other way around. And, and trust me, Twitter would be a blaze on it, too. So, Oh, yeah, Twitter loves Zach Wilson. You just love your favorite quarterbacks or all the quarterbacks uh, Twitter hates, which is... I know, and that's... Uh, besides Daniel Jones... It's like, I think he's the only quarterback that you guys agree on. Agree on in terms of the uh, of the polar opposite. Of course, why I like Daniel Jones? He has nothing going for him. Besides a shitty TikTok video where him and his high school teammates lip sync to Justin Bieber's baby. Nerd. I mean, <laughs> the cool part of Justin Bieber's baby would be. I a- mean, like, no, no, like, I'm not sure if that's true, but there's a Daniel Jones lookalike. In this, like, I I know, but I'm just saying, if you want to do anything cool, the Justin Bieber song, baby, it would be rapping the ludicrous part. If you're Drew Locke, so it'd be it'd be cool if you just turned it off and did not do it. I think would be the it's probably probably the correct call. When I was 13, I had my first love. There's nobody that compared to my baby name. We're going to come between us, and we're going to come above. She had me going crazy. Oh, I was starstruck. Mike Williams is expected to play the extra spots in Joe Lombardi's Starbucks. She made my heart pound. Uh, It's going to be when I see her on the street and at school on the playground. But I really want to see her on the weekend. You know she got me dazing because she was so amazing. And now my heart is breaking. And I just keep on saying, baby, baby, baby. Oh, there's the content you didn't know you needed. No. The content. I think, it's time, no. I think it's just time to end the show. <laughs> nope. Zach Moss. 
take over the backfield in 2021 if he continues to improve. Shit. Less smelly shit is better than sh- <laughs> it's better than smellier shit. Cool. Would have to, at least Zach Moss does have value if he does take over. He would have to improve a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Jacob Hollister. I think I lost. Dustin Oxshuggers. Okay. I think, I think I lost Red World. Hold on. No, I didn't. There we go. I don't care about Jacob Hollister. Manuel Sanders is more likely to take the John oh, Ron role. Than sorry. No, I do care about Jacob Hollister because the obviousness of the statement. Yeah. <laughs> Become the team starter if Dawson Knox struggles. Yeah. <laughs> so the backup, we'll see more snaps if the starter the struggles. struggles. Yeah, it's love it. Uh, Ram check contract extension. Don't care. Manuel Sanders likely to take John Brown role to the Gabe Davis. Not, we always anticipated that that would probably be split until somebody really takes over it. I I still like Davis. It just pushes. It just makes him more of a value. But Sanders, if he does take a bit of hold of the early season play as a number two receiver, there is value to him as well. Um, excuse me. Damon Harris, Patriots number one running back, and it's pretty decisive. He had 43% of New England's rushing attempts for week four through week 13, which I don't know how you do math, but 43% is less than half. Burkhead at 21%. Cam Newton obviously hurt that. So, If Mac Jones is a starter, Damian Harris's value goes up. Mac Jones should just see work. There's no one in that backfield that's going to be anywhere good enough to take. You mean Damian Harris should see work? I mean, Damian Harris should be he said starter Mac, as he, he was. He said Mac Jones would see work because there's nobody oh. else in the backfield. I mean, maybe Mac Jones. Yeah, yeah, Mac Jones in at running back. I mean, I mean, who the fuck knows? The Patriots are going to be a shit show to watch, and I'm here for it. Oh, Whitworth retiring at the end of 2021. AJ Brown recovering from surgery in both knees. Justin Watson squarely on the bubble. I well, mean, yeah, that's a yeah. hell of a receiving core. That's the, what the deepest in football outside of maybe Dallas, and it's probably deeper than both Dallas and Cincinnati. No supplemental draft this year. There wasn't one last year. Uh, Something named Adrian Killians is a running back. And both spent his summer working at slot receiver. Okay. Good yeah, job, Adrian Killians. Whoever you are, you made a riddle world. <laughs> Joe Mixon will handle the largest workload of his career. Uh, eh? I don't know. I mean, there's no one, you know, Gio's not there to take any significant snaps away. Yeah, but injuries still are. And Samaj P. Ryan is. No, fuck Samaj P. Ryan. <laughs> uh, Tyler Croft could end up being the Jets' starting tight end over Chris Herndon. Backups or plans to start if the starter sucks. Yeah, again. <laughs> uh, competition between Cam Newton and Mac Jones. No shit. Mac Jones should win that at this stage. Demarius Thomas announces his retirement after 10 seasons in football. Yeah, good. I mean, good job, Demarius. You had a couple uh, second receiving yards and touchdown catches and third in receptions in Broncos history. Nine years in Denver. Excuse me. Um, person receiving yards per game. I mean, he had a great run. He really did. One of those athletic, kind of like Des Bryant, really. Just one of those yep. athletic type of receivers that never really involved into that sec- evolved into that second stage that that makes them great, but definitely will go down as very, very good. 
He had, you know, a couple of those late late career injuries that kind of uh, never really gave him that chance to show what he had. The same way the Dez did too during you know, towards the end of his his time in Dallas and into New Orleans. Uh, let's see. Generic headline here. We'll just replace the name. ESPN reports slot receiver signed off from nowhere. We'll make a strong run at a ro- looks like he'll make a strong run at a roster spot. On what is the weakest depth chart behind there's the number one starter, the Green Bay Packers receiving depth chart. And they get a solid two at the top. But once you get me on the first two. Everything's open after Adams. Now Lazard's I think locked in it too. I've always been a Lazard fan, though. You can't take that from me. I'm not taking that from you. I just, y'all. I mean, they also drafted Amari Rodgers, which we're fans of. And I think MVS is a decent deep threat. And I really think that's your three with MVS coming in to stretch the field on occasion. Yeah. And spelling Rodgers. When Blake Bortles is taking over and taking first team snaps when week one starts. Because Aaron Uh, Rodgers. uh, Mike LaFleur wants Mims playing better inside. Trey Sermon looks poised to make an impact as a rookie. Okay. Chanel, one of the highlights of camp. Golden Tate. This is interesting. Titans, Colts, Rams. Who he's looking at signing with. I put I didn't put a note in, but I figured we just talk about him we got here. Who do you think he should sign with? Where do you think his value, his best value is? Titans, Colts, Rams. Rams. I would think Rams on the inside. I, I think Rams playing. Well. I actually do like him in Tennessee because I think there's a, a massive need for a slot receiver. There is, and and that's kind of the flip side of that, right? In Tennessee, you've got a huge need for a slot receiver inside Julio and A.J. Brown. And I say the Rams because of the Stafford connection, but, I mean, Cup should be working the slot, which means that you're moving Tate outside with Woods on the other side, and I don't love that fit for Golden Tate, especially at this stage, as much as I like the Titans, even though it's it's low volume of volume for the Colts, you've got you know, T. Y. Hilton that would play a similar role to what Golden Tate does. So I mean there's I mean for me it's it's there's no way that Tate has any true fantasy value unless injuries yeah. happen to whatever team he signs with. And he'll go to and he'll go to a contender. All three of these teams are are easily won't they I won't say easily, but all three of these teams are are playoff. At least have a playoff bound roster. Uh, Titans, I think it just it's 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 a perfect fit. They don't have a slot receiver. They it's just like he'll he'll fit right in perfectly. He won't be he may not be great for fantasy. He may take some underneath work. Maybe have a couple high target games, but in a low-volume offense, and two of these three teams are going to be low-volume passing offices with the Colts and the Titans, both based in their offices through their their young workhorse backs. Rams just, you know, best defensive football, one of the best defenses in football. I just don't see any significant space for Tate to have value, but Tate could also take some value, you know, away from some of the players that yeah. he, you know, thus becomes teammates with, because Tate is a Unbelievably good and strong inside, inside slot route runner that can easily get open against majority of the linebackers and safeties in football. 
T. Higgins going to play a huge role in the offense. No shit. Jets made a good signing with offensive tackle Morgan Moses. I've always liked Morgan Moses. Jets just doing what they need to do to uh, to shore up Be that better. offensive line. Sixty five percent of the players have been have had their their one shot. You know who's not one of them. <laughs> and I think that's the list. Uh, no. from last week. No, we got one more day worth. Trevor Lawrence isn't ready yet, but he doesn't have to be ready yet. Gardner Minshew is out playing C.J. Bethard for the backup role. So yeah, those no two things back-to-back back tell me that the Trevor Lawrence isn't going to get the start immediately is bullshit because the news on Minshew is that he's out playing Bethard for the backup role. Yeah. Which is all we assume. It's it's ridiculous. Lawrence is starting week one. Yeah, he's going to be ready. percent yes. And then there's kicker news. Rodgers could save $18.3 million in an unearned signing bonus and roster bonus money if he opts out, which is a lot of money to opt out and go host Jeopardy. Yeah, now we're done. That's it. Thank you for tuning in. Um, next week, we'll have opt-out news and whatever the hell else we decide to talk about. Enjoy your uh, 4th of July weekend. I know we definitely are going to, especially on Monday. A bunch yeah. of golf and a Scott Fishbowl draft. So we're taking you through the mock draft process. We'll check in on how that translates to the real draft. Talk, about, talk probably a little bit about how your mock drafts would potentially translate to your real drafts and how you apply the lessons from your mock drafts and how you adapt to how the real draft actually goes. Um you know, and we will, of course, keep you updated on all of our Scott Fishbowl drafts. Yeah, we will, and uh, more whatever comes out through Roto World as we leave that. Read that live on air to make fun of certain things. Hopefully not at 30 when my old ass is yawning every 20 <laughs> seconds. <laughs>